0: And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush, and he looked, and behold, the bush was not consumed. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Please be seated. Much has transpired between last week's Old Testament lesson and today's. We left off with Moses' ...being drawn out of water and into Pharaoh's court. And we pick up this morning with Moses as an old man, keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, ascending the mountain of God and encountering the living God in the burning bush. But before we meditate upon this theophany... Let us briefly consider the intervening time period. And there is perhaps no better synopsis of this interim than the one given by St. Stephen, the proto-martyr, in his final sermon recorded in Acts chapter seven. He says, and Moses was instructed in all the wisdom of the Egyptians, and he was mighty in his words and deeds. When he was 40 years old, it came into his heart to visit his brothers, the children of Israel. And seeing one of them being wronged, he defended the oppressed man and avenged him by striking down the Egyptian. He supposed that his brothers would understand that God was giving them salvation by his hand. But they did not understand. of two sons. Moses, at age 40, by all appearances, is in his prime. He's not your run-of-the-mill, middle-aged man. He's got that Tom Brady energy. (laughs) He's got that Brad Pitt and Fight Club energy. He's got that Daniel Craig Casino Royale energy. Okay, I'll stop. Or will I? (laughs) The point is, there is a point, I promise. Moses is strong. He's smart. He's powerful. He's ready to go. He's ready, or so he thinks, he's ready to lead. It's in his heart to check in on his brethren, to do good for them, to deliver them. But he spends the next 40 years, half of an average lifespan, he spends laboring in obscurity. As Moses' earthly mother hid him in a basket, so does his heavenly father hide him in the wilderness. But this hiding was not to deprive Moses of his vocation, but to prepare him for it. He tended to the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law in the wilderness, in order that he might tend to the flock of the God of his fathers in that same wilderness. Moses ascended Horeb, also known as Sinai that he might ascend it again after the Exodus in the presence of and on behalf of the children of Israel. I cannot resist considering our own story as a church in the light of Moses' story. (laughs) I feel like we're ready for the big time. I mean, I look at the liturgy, I look at the music. I don't want Eric to get a big head, but dude's good. I look at the quality of our lay leaders, the work that our vestry does, the work that everyone does. I look at just the general spirit of the congregation that, you know, when we're all here, (laughs) we enjoy being around one another. I consider how many of you have grown over the last four years like you've never grown in your entire life. I even look at the preaching and teaching. It's going to sound like some self-aggrandizing navel-gazing. But I can look at it objectively and say that week in and week out, you have the opportunity, people that come in here have the opportunity, to learn the scriptures, to encounter the living word in the written word, and to be transformed by his Holy Spirit, I'm not saying it's perfect, far from it. But I do from time to time, and by from time to time, maybe every week, look at all souls in the aggregate and say, God, why are you hiding us? But our hiddenness is not privation, but preparation. And the call will come to fruition in God's time. Not when he, not when we think we're ready, but when he deems us to be. Our job in life, individually and all the various and sundry situations that you find yourself in, in our corporate life together, our job is to be faithful with what's in front of us. To do the next right thing. To be faithful in a few things so that God make, might make us rulers over many things. We are to humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God, and He will exalt us in due time, in His time, which is rarely our time. Forty years have passed, and the angel of the Lord appears. To Moses in a burning bush. What is the meaning of this theophany? This appearance of God. And it has meaning. I mean, the burning bush is not a divine parlor trick, that is, it's not an arbitrary, miraculous phenomenon to get Moses' attention. I mean, it does get his attention. But it's full of profound, symbolic, and theological meaning. St. Gregory of Nyssa, in his seminal work, The Life of Moses, speaks of the bush as a bramble bush, as a thorn bush. And this is supported by the language, and it makes excellent sense given the aridity of the region. He's in a desert There is then in this theophany the coming together of two extremes, as it were, the thorns and the fire. The bush is a symbol of the creation in general and its fallenness in particular. The thorn bush recalling the thorns and thistles of Genesis 3. And the fire is the divine presence. For God is a consuming fire, and yet the bush is not consumed. There's a lot going on here, but the main thing, looking at patristic commentaries on this, that the church has keyed on, is that this is a preview of the incarnation. This is a preview of God's intention for the whole cosmos, that his dwelling place is with man. This is a preview of the incarnation of the Son, of the Word becoming flesh and dwelling among us. It is the angel of the Lord, the text says, that appeared to Moses. Moses. But the word angel, like virtually any word, is not a rigid designator. It can refer to, of course, those beings, those ministering spirits, those creatures with what we might call subtle bodies. But it can refer to a messenger, particularly in this case, the messenger of Yahweh. And notice that the messenger of Yahweh here is addressed as God, is spoken of as God. Moses hid his face, not because he was afraid to look upon an angel. Rather, the text says, for he was afraid to look upon God. To look upon God. He's not looking upon the Father directly. Scripture is clear that you cannot see the person of the Father. St. John in the prologue of his gospel says, No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son who is in the bosom of the Father, He has declared Him. He has made Him known. He has exegeted Him. Jesus is the visible image of the invisible God. In John 8, Jesus gets in trouble as is his wont. He invokes the divine name, the holy name of God revealed to Moses here in Exodus 3, and applies it to himself, saying, Before Abraham was, I am. The burning bush was a preview of the incarnation when light from light, fire from fire would take up human nature. Not in order to consume it, not order, in order to destroy it, but in order to heal it, to transform it, to divinize it. The preview of when the Word would become flesh and dwell among us, when he would come from heaven to earth, not to destroy the earth, but to rescue and redeem it. The burning bush also speaks, perhaps subtly, to the crucifixion. For when Moses is again on the mountain of God in the Gospel at the transfiguration our lord discusses the lord jesus discusses with him and elijah his departure scripture tells us they discuss the exodus that he was going to accomplish in jerusalem the lord jesus by his life his death and resurrection and ascension won't leave that out he brought us out of egypt out of bondage to to slavery, to sin, death, and Satan, by offering himself as the true Paschal Lamb of God, by shedding his blood on the hard wood of the cross. Our Lord wore a crown of thorns in order that there might be no more thorns and thistles, that the world which he made might be freed from the bondage of decay. In today's gospel, we find that the Apostle Peter is struggling to understand this. He's struggling to understand the Exodus story. That the one whom he rightly confessed as Christ, the Son of the living God, will free the people of God, will become king on earth as in heaven by way of suffering and death. As an aside, in Matthew chapter 16, we see that Peter is the king of high highs followed by low lows. He confesses Christ as the Messiah. Jesus gives him a new name, which means rock. He tells him that the spirit has revealed to him the deepest mystery of the kingdom. And then a few verses later, get behind me, Satan. You're the rock, also, you're Satan. Our Lord teaches in today's gospel that the way of Jesus is the way of the cross. And that we find life in him by letting go of what we think life is and embracing he who is life. Moses at the burning bush asked for God's name. And God says, I am who I am. Some translations render it as I am the existing one. God is being, God alone in the strictest sense is the world. And all that is in it does not have being existence, independent of God. It's not pantheism, it's Christianity in him, we live and move and have our being. By him, all things were created that are in heaven and on earth and under the earth. All things were created through him and for him. He is before all things and in him all things consist. So with that in mind, let us answer our Lord's rhetorical question from today's gospel. What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? loses his life? The answer is, of course, nothing. It profits nothing. And to attempt to live life apart from life himself is an absurd endeavor, which we all engage in from time to time. To live life apart from life himself. But it's absurd because even, even he who blasphemes God, even those that curse God, they do so by the grace and power of God. It is God that has put the breath in their lungs. God, who has made the hand of the one that raises it against his neighbor. God, that has given us the faculty of will that we so often misuse. So, as the song says, you can go your own way. Great song. (laughs) You can do you, you can be true to yourself. But the beautiful irony of the Christian gospel is this. It is by self-denial that you become your true self. It is by participation in being in the I am that you will become the sort of being worth being. It is by surrender to the will of God It is by becoming a slave to righteousness, by becoming a servant of Christ, that you will know true freedom. It is by losing your life in Christ, for Christ, that you will find it. When God called Abraham to sacrifice his son, In Genesis chapter 22 he replied to the Lord here I am when Abraham in turn called his son Isaac Isaac replied here I am when the angel the messenger of Yahweh spoke to Jacob in a dream he said here I am when Jacob called on Joseph to tend to his brethren He said to his father, here I am. And when the Lord called out to Moses from the burning bush, he too replied, here I am. We are standing on holy ground. I am is calling to us and he is calling us first and foremost To himself. Let us then lay aside our sandals. Let there be no dead thing between us and our Savior. Let us cast aside the works of darkness. Let us put to death what is earthly in us. Let us crucify the flesh and its passions. And when God calls us, whether that's to higher ground Spiritually, whether that's to rebuke us, to reprove us, to refine us, whether it's to raise us up for ministry or to hide us in the wilderness, let us say with the patriarchs, with Abraham and Isaac, Jacob and Joseph and Moses. Here I am. Here I am.